Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. All right, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take your, your ground. You may be able to stand your ground. And having done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, you may want to follow it on the screen. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. My son Will, amongst the many things that he loves, thoroughly loves building sandcastles. He's 11 years old and still to this day, if you put him near a pile of sand, he's gonna start making a sandcastle. In fact, I took him to the snow on Labor Weekend and he spent a like, significant amount of time just making piles of snow into what, not sandcastles, are they called snow castles? I'm not sure. But he just loves getting down in that sand, making something out of it, building a structure, letting his mind wander. He's just absolutely in his happy place. Last summer, we're at the beach and I was watching him because, you know, when kids start playing with sand, other kids start coming around. You seen that? And he's down there in the sand and he's building the sandcastle and he's working hard because to get more sand for his structure, he had to dig into the hard sand to add to his pile of sand. You ever seen that? So he's down there, he's got his hands and, you know, shells and stuff and he's breaking it up and he's grabbing it and he's throwing it over his, into the pile here. Then he's back down, tunneling away throwing it into the pile here. Then he's back down and he's digging and he's grabbing it and throwing it into the pile there. Well, by now, there's other kids that have started to help him with his project. Unbeknown to Will, while I'm watching, another kid decided he was gonna start his own project. But what a great source of sand for his new initiative. Rather than to dig his own out of his own hole, Oh, look at that. There's a huge pile right here. So Will is grabbing the sand and throwing it into his pile. Another kid is grabbing it out of Will's pile and putting it into his creation. And I'm just watching. I'm watching. Will is working. The other kid is using. And it's just all just transpiring in front of me. And I thought to myself, how long is it going to be before Will realizes that he's doing the hard work 
but somebody else is undermining His work. And we read in our Bibles this morning, guys, where the Bible is saying, listen, you need to understand that something is happening in your life. The Bible's making it abundantly clear for us that we are not just going through the affairs or the activities of our life and engaged only in a natural world. Many times we look and we think, man, we've got to work hard to get something in our lives accomplished, not realizing that our real fight, our real battle, the real energy that is, that is either aiding or hindering us is not actually in the natural realm, but it's in the supernatural realm. You can get so busy doing what you're doing or fighting what you feel you're fighting and not be aware that the real battle is not in the natural, but in the supernatural. The Bible makes it abundantly clear, guys, in two passages of Scripture this morning, and I could go through one after another after another, that we are in a spiritual fight. We're in a spiritual fight. The Bible says that we should put on the whole armor of God. We should get ready for a fight. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, it says we don't battle against flesh and blood, but we battle against principalities and powers. It says we're here to take authority over strongholds. The Bible talks about spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That the real, this is New Testament Scripture. That our battle as believers is primarily a spiritual battle. And I want you to know that today because if we are not aware, then we can be impacted by something and not know that something is eroding. Something is eating away. Something is working against the very plan of God in your life, in my life. And if we're not careful, we can fall victims to what the Bible describes as a spiritual fight. We're in a spiritual fight. There is two real kingdoms. There is the kingdom of light, God's kingdom. And there is the kingdom of darkness, the devil's kingdom. And one is at war against the other. And friends, if we are not careful, we can be impacted by this fight and the devil can be eroding our lives and eating away at what God has for us and we can fall victim to the attack of the devil. I mean, I know it's not popular, but it, we just, just remember that it's in our Bibles. You know, if you're like me and you came through the 90s, the church was all about spiritual warfare. But let's just remember that even though it might not be trendy, it's still Bible. The Bible says that we should not be ignorant of his schemes, that he has schemes. 2 Corinthians 2.11, the Bible says that we shouldn't be ignorant of his devices, that the devil has schemes, that the devil has devices. In John 10.10, Jesus said that the thief, he's like, he's strategically looking for a way to break in. He's described as a thief. Break into the plan of God in your life. Break into your peace. Break into the harmony of your home. Break into the health of your body. Break in to the prosperity of your finances. The devil is a thief and he comes only to steal, to kill and to destroy. Too many people still think of the devil as being like a little cutesy figure standing on your shoulder saying, have more fun at parties. That's not the devil. I mean, he might appear like that, but his entire plan is to kill, to steal, to destroy. He's out to get you. Come on, do you recognize that? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says that your adversary, the devil, just remember, our adversary is not somebody else in our life group, another church down the road, 
Even the government, our adversary is the devil. And he goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for someone to attack, looking for somebody to rob, looking for somebody to devour. He has schemes. He has devices. Guys, we're in a spiritual fight. This is an overwhelming theme of our New Testament. And I want you to understand that as a believer, that we come under spiritual attack. And whether we recognize it or not is going to determine a lot about our lives. The devil's going to use whatever he can. The devil's going to try and get into our lives and he will use the words of people. We read today that we should lift up the shield of faith with which we can extinguish all the flaming arrows, flaming arrows of the evil one. Well, Genesis 49 tells us that Joseph, Joseph, an incredibly important figure in the Old Testament, the archers shot at him with arrows of bitterness. Yet when we read the Bible, we find no literal archers ever shot at Joseph. But arrows were shot at him. The words of people were thrown at Joseph in an attempt to get bitterness in his heart. And the devil is going to throw what he can. Throw words. People are going to say things to make you get bitter, make you get full of hurt. Come on, man. If you've got a list of things people have said that is hurtful about you, I'll go mano a mano. I bet you I've got a decent list as well. But at the end of the day, we must recognize that while the words of people might hurt, it is also an attack of the devil to get us to allow demonic stuff into our lives. Isn't that true? The, the devil's going to use images that come up before us. I mean, you know, I, I have a lot of stats and a lot of numbers that get presented in front of me all the time. A lot of things that happen and, you know, I don't know, just outward influences and pressures and media articles and stuff. And it's amazing to me, even as a hopefully a somewhat mature Christian believer, how I can see a bad number or a negative you know, thing of words some Facebook warrior has printed. And up in front of me comes these images of suddenly everything that God is doing being negatively impacted or even just coming tumbling down. If you're a business owner, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. You see negative stats have a poor quarter and suddenly it's like the whole thing is gonna come tumbling down. Images come up before us. The Bible says about Elijah that Jezebel said to him, I'm gonna kill you by this time tomorrow. And the Bible says in the Hebrew that Elijah saw it. She said, I'm gonna kill you. And the Bible says he saw it. So she said something, but he had a picture. And images can come into your mind, guys. Just because it comes into your mind doesn't mean it's a thought from God, right? The devil's gonna use, he's gonna use uh, environments that we allow ourselves in, thoughts that come into our minds. Isn't it amazing that when Jesus told his disciples he was gonna go to the cross, that Peter turned and, and sowed a thought into Jesus' mind. He said, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. You are never gonna go to the cross. And the Bible doesn't say that Jesus had a cutesy conversation with Peter to discuss why this was actually important. He didn't reason with a demonically inspired thought. Some thoughts are gonna pop into your mind, guys, and they're not things that you tolerate or reason with or rationale. If a thought comes into your mind and it is clearly not from God, you don't entertain it, you rebuke it. So Jesus said to Peter, not speaking to Peter, speaking to the thought that the devil was trying to sow into his mind. It was a demonic attack. So Jesus accurately spoke, not to Peter, but to the thought. And he said, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind 
These thoughts are not the thoughts of God. These are just the thoughts of man. This is just a demonic attack. That's what he's saying. And over our lives, anybody with me so far? We fall, we fall victim to spiritual attack. Conversations that we're part of, music that we listen to, can all be just ways that we allow the attack of the enemy, spiritual attack, to come into our lives. So as Christians, it's important that we start to become aware. The Bible says in our closing verse in, in Ephesians that we should be alert. We should be alert. And if I was to take you through verse after verse in the New Testament about our spiritual fight, you would find that alertness is a common theme because there's nothing worse than a soldier that's asleep on the battlefield. And there's nothing worse than a Christian that is unaware that they are coming under attack from the devil. I think there are far too many people out there that are half gone to demonic oppression before they even realize that they're under a spiritual attack. Listen, in a community, in a nation where people take their own lives and are addicted to drugs and fall victim to all kinds of horrendous comparison because of social media or poor body image, we can understand acutely as a community that the devil has been ripping off people for far too long. How about we tell the devil, no, not today? If you believe that, give me a little amen out there, come on. He's, let's, let's give us today some ways that we can identify when we are under spiritual attack. Here's my first one, and it's really like a catch-all for everything. When anything other than the truth of God's Word is filling your mind. You're under spiritual attack. There is no like little cutesy benign thought in the middle. There is either a thought that is obedient to Christ or a thought that is disobedient to Christ. And if a thought jumps into my mind and it doesn't line up with the truth of God's Word, that is spiritual attack. In heaven, you won't think those thoughts. Why will there be in heaven no anxiety and no sorrow and no mourning? Because there will be no demonic thought in my mind ever again. So when anything other than the truth of God's Word is filling my mind, I am under spiritual attack. And too many people are entertaining the attack of the devil when they should be rebuking it. I'm a failure. And it's like, yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm not that good. I'm not that good. I'm not that good. You know, when I'm exhausted at the moment, we've been traveling all week. And, you know, after this, somebody said, come to, come to my place and have a hamburger. And I was like, fantastic. Because if there's one thing that you crave more than anything when you are exhausted, it is comfort giving food, right? Can I just fess up and this, never, this recording never gets sent to my dietician? I had a bagel for breakfast, unashamedly. Don't tell her, but I'm unashamed. I'm like, I'm exhausted. They had a, a BP, PBJ available at Ugly Bagels in Wellington Airport this morning. And I was like, I am flippant. I'm exhausted. I'm having that. That's what I had. And a cup of coffee to counter the carbs. I mean, it was great. I feel fantastic. Anybody with me on that one? Come on. Sometimes it's like you can take your low car. I just want something that's going to make me feel good. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes people entertain thoughts in their mind that just that give them, you know, the truth is that it's not feel, that what I ate for breakfast is not actually giving me energy. It's actually draining me of energy. And the truth is that many people do that. I mean, it's bad enough that I did it with food. How bad is it if we do it with thoughts? 
just the entrance of the notion that somehow you're not good enough, people can recite, yes, I'm really not that good enough. And we just wallow in a little corner because it does give you this temporary feeling of like, so I can give up and I don't have to worry. And yeah, there's this excuse for me not overcoming this. And I can just hang out here with my little blanket around me and mallow in the corner. No, we don't, we don't agree with the thoughts that don't line up with God's word. We, we need to rebuke them. We need to get them out of our lives. We're not, we're not trading little comforts for the, the true glory of God's presence. By the way, neither should I be eating bagels rather than healthy stuff. But anyway, at the end of the day, friends, we just got to be very careful that we don't fall victim to spiritual attack. Because here's the thing, the primary battlefield in all of the world is not out there with two armies against one another. It is in here with two kingdoms at war for the thoughts of your mind. The Bible says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. It says that we take authority over strongholds, arguments, pretensions, and thoughts. I preach this so many times in our church because it is so incredibly important that your thoughts become your pretensions, your assumptions, your underlying, the points of tension that hold up the way that you see the world. This building will have pre-existing tensions, engineering constructed points that protect us and stop this building from falling over. And you have in your life things that you have accepted that are holding up the way you see the world that are either based on the truth of God's Word or on a demonically sown thought. And when they are pretensions that are not founded on God's word, then they grow and pretensions quickly become arguments. Arguments are simply when you are emotionally angry at the presence of truth in comparison to the way that you've been living your life up until now. That's what an argument is. An argument is when Christians fight to defend something that is not based on the truth of God's word. I mean, we have a drum kit today. You all accept it. But in the 80s, when I was in youth group, that was controversial. Christians were angry that rock music was being played. That's the devil's music, you know? No, country and Western music is the devil's music. We had it all wrong. Christians get angry when another Christian gets a brand new car. There's going to be a rust bucket in 20 years. God doesn't have a problem with a vehicle. But it's just the fact that we've been living under an underlying philosophy for too long. And now the presence of something radically different to what we've got. Christians used to argue when I was started in ministry, the organization I worked for wouldn't allow me to preach that people could be miraculously healed. It was controversial that people could get, how can it be controversial that God can take a broken life and make it better? But it was so threatening to the way that people saw the world. Arguments and arguments become strongholds. So when anything other than the truth of God's word is sown in my mind, I am under demonic attack. Here's the next one. When you doubt the authenticity of the Word of God, you're under spiritual attack. Man, there are far too many Christians. The, God, the Bible says that God has given you a sword of the Spirit. A sword of the Spirit. Every other um, piece of armor in our spiritual warfare is defensive. But the sword of the Spirit is offensive. And what a great attack of the devil to undermine the very weapon God has given to you against him. 
Oh, I don't even know if that's a real thing. No, God gave you 66 books, 1187 chapters, 31,102 verses, and they are all full of the breath of God. And they're all powerful for pulling down the attack of the devil. Oh man, doubt the authenticity. How about this? The Word of God in your mouth is just as good as the Word of God in God's mouth. Come on, man. Let me give you some, some other ways. I want to I give you five all in one big package today because they're all visible in one attack in the Old Testament. I'll give them to you, then I'll talk you through it. Here's the next five. When you feel like you're a failure, you're under spiritual attack. When you think that you have no future, you're under spiritual attack. When discouragement comes your way, when you feel like giving up, when you're tired and you want to quit, you're under spiritual attack. I mean, let me just tell you this, it blows me away. Elijah, the prophet Elijah, the Bible says in one calendar day, Elijah called together the prophets of Baal and Asherah and defied them in a challenge. He called down supernatural fire from heaven. Then he destroyed the prophets of Baal and Asherah to get rid of the sacrifice of small children and ritual prostitution from his nation. So he brought spiritual revival with the fire of God. He brought moral revival by turning the hearts of the people in a more positive direction. Then he climbed the mountain and prayed and ended a three-year drought. He brought economic revival on his nation. Then in for dessert, he ran faster than a chariot to the city of Jezreel. Then when he got there, the Bible says, Elijah just says to him, I'm gonna kill you by this time tomorrow. And the Bible tells us that in a moment of exhaustion and emptiness, one word from one prophet, one woman, sorry, found a place in the prophet's heart and head. He saw it. He saw it. The Bible says he was afraid and that he ran. In the wilderness, the Bible tells us he journeys for a certain distance and then he left his armor bearer behind. Listen, when I get to the end of church on a Sunday night, there are a couple of people I don't wanna to talk to in the foyer, but when you give away the life-giving relationships in your life, when you're walking away from your small group, when you don't wanna to come to church on a Sunday, when you don't wanna be around the people that are gonna encourage you to be uplifted in your perspective and to get rid of, you are under heavy spiritual attack. Then the Bible says he lays down in a broom brush and this is what he said. He said, I've had enough. I am no better than my ancestors. Take my life. I've, I wanna give it up. He felt like a failure. He wanted to quit. He isolated himself from life-giving relationships. He was under spiritual attack. He thought that he had no future. If you're out there today and in your mind or in your heart, you feel like I have no future, I am a failure. If any one of these is identified, you must understand you are not a failure. Jesus made you more than a conqueror. That you have a future. If you can breathe in and breathe out, you haven't seen the greatest things God has for you yet. That I, wa I want you to understand that you have a purpose for your life. And when any one of us feels any of these five things, when we feel tired, some of the exhaustion in your body is not physical, but spiritual. Let me tell you the difference. When it's physical, you want time alone to get fresh with God to come back. When you're under spiritual attack, you don't wanna be around other people because you actually just wanna binge watch Netflix and not be in any Christian environment. That's the difference between the God who calls us to himself and the devil who calls us 
to walk away from it all. Are you with me today? Here's, here's the next one. You're under spiritual attack when pride raises its head. Isn't it amazing? The Bible says that, when, that the, the catalyst for Jesus' betrayal was that a woman took a bottle of perfume with a year's wages and she poured it all over Jesus' feet and Judas is flipping angry because he wanted that money for the coffers. And Jesus said this was worship. But because Judas was already proud because the money came through him, and by the way, be very careful, just because you're a conduit in God's plan doesn't mean you're all that in the biscuit. And the Bible says that because of the fact that Jesus had poured it out in worship rather than putting it through his coffers, that Judas left the room, Satan entered him, Satan entered him, and he sold our Savior for 20 pieces of silver. When pride raises its ugly head, we're under spiritual attack. When you're cynical about the things of God, you're under spiritual attack. Man, when you're, if you're in the service today and people are reaching out in worship and you're like, that's hype. You're under spiritual attack. I can worship with an acoustic guitar. I can worship a cappella. I can sit in a church service and hear a, a monotone preacher preach for an hour. And in every environment, God's gonna do something great in my life. But listen, man, I mean, listen, I'm just like this all the time. I mean, I am the guy whose daughter is like, you can only come to my sport if you promise not to say anything. That's what, I mean, I'm not like that. It's like, oh, he puts on a performance up there. No, I'm literally like this all the time. I'm like, go Lara, yes, come on, Tower Hawks. And all the parents love me and the children are like, shut up. But when you're under spiritual attack, you'll, have, you'll, you'll be cynical about everything. Why? Because the spirit of unbelief and a spirit of doubt. You cannot be cynical and filled with faith. You can't. You can't. The whole attack of the devil. By the way, the greatest attack, I think, in our modern age is cynicism. Just to pull down and erode our belief and our confidence and our optimism. Oh, I, I need to move on. I, I could preach that till the Jesus comes back, so I gotta move on. <laughs> Let me give you, as we're bringing this to a close, is this helping anybody? Yeah. Turn to the person next to you and say, I think you needed to hear this. I'm good, but I think you needed to hear this. <laughs> Let me give you today, let me give you some, today five ways, five ways in our lives that we can resist spiritual attack. Because here's the thing, guys. The Bible doesn't say that our weapons are pitiful and the devil's power is mighty. The Bible says that our weapons are powerful and that we can demolish strongholds. So if we have power to be victorious over spiritual attack, then how do we do it? Well, obviously our underlying belief is that we've got to understand when we're under spiritual attack. There's no good just living there, working hard, trying to get, you know, your sandcastle moving if the devil's just pulling it down. We've got to know what's going on in our lives. Okay, but let's now talk about five ways. Once we realize or once we're awakened, how can we resist spiritual attack? Number one, repentance. The greatest weapon God has given you to rebuke the power of the devil in your life is to give the devil no access to you. See, I want you to understand the devil will always remain external to you until he is allowed a foothold in you. That's why Ephesians 4 says, don't let sin, uh, don't sin by letting anger control you. 
Some things make me mad, but I can't hand the reins of my life over to anger. Why? Because the wrath of man will not produce the righteousness of God. In my anger, I cannot sin. Don't let the sun go down on me while I'm angry, for anger just gives a foothold to the devil. The Bible's saying there is reasons for volatile emotions, but be careful that you don't agree with the demonic attack that's gonna come your way in the middle of your volatile emotions, and you're gonna give the devil a foothold into your life. You gotta understand everything that the devil tries to bring to you remains external to you until you agree with it and give him permission. That's why Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. That's why, that's why in Revelation, the Bible says, this I have against you, you've been tolerating Jezebel. Because we tolerate the devil in our minds. And the way that we get rid of him is we go, hang on a minute, I'm not a failure. I repent of tolerating that thought. I give it back to you, God. And now I say, devil, get out of my life. Repentance is removing any legal access the devil has to my life. It's powerful. Repentance is simply turning, my, my, uh, turning away from what I was believing and turning towards God. Yeah. Number two, worship. One of the greatest spiritual warfare weapons we've been given is our worship. Man, that's why I love worship. Ephesians 5 tells us, don't be drunk with wine. It'll only ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice that after Holy Spirit, it's got a comma. So everything it says next tells us how. It says, speak singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music in your hearts to the Lord. So I can get God's Holy Spirit into my life, which will then free me from any demonic spirit when I begin to worship. And I can, I can get more of the Holy Spirit by singing psalms, worship, singing hymns, worship, making spiritual songs, worship. And every turn, if I worship, then I am imbibing God's Holy Spirit and I'm driving out any attack of the devil. Number three, here's our third one. Our third one is the Word of God. Oh, friends, if you want to be free from any spiritual attack in your life, I can't tell you the power in our lives of the Word of God. Of the Word of God. Ephesians 4, uh, Hebrews 4 verse 12, For the Word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, uh, uh, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. If I want to stop demonic thoughts or demonically sown thoughts from just living in my mind, then God's given me a way that I can work out what's good and what's bad. The Word of God. Yeah. Do you want one little key that will change your life honestly forever? Yeah. Yeah. Give God your last thought and your first thought through the Word of God. When you go to bed, read the Bible. When you wake up, read the Bible. And let me give you the greatest key for this actually happening in your life. This will, if you apply it, change your life. I promise you. Too many people here have had stress-filled nights or woken to the most evil of onsets of your day and simply because you didn't learn what is found in these two key words. Are you ready for them? Are you ready for them? Oh, come on. Are you, you want them or not? Here they are. I'm going over time to give you these, so they're worth it. Either that or I'm an undisciplined preacher. But here they are. Flight mode. Flight mode. Have you ever noticed you can have a day of everything tranquil, then at 9.30 at night, that's when you get the My Life is Falling Apart text message? 
And when you wake up in the morning, that's when the Facebook haters have been saying all this stupid stuff, you know, and you wake up to all the pop-ups on the screen. By the way, I don't go on Facebook. Don't try and communicate with me that way. It'll never work. I hate it. <laughs> it's a really big portal. Anyway, uh, and a lot of weird people. But, but anyway, the, the Word of God, the Word of God. I turn my phone on flight mode an hour before I intend to go to sleep. When I hit, put my head on the pillow, I open up on my phone. None of the apps work. Instagram don't work. I can't surf the internet and shop for a new pair of shoes. All I can do is read that Bible app. And I'm telling you what, by the way, if you have trouble sleeping, this will change your life. Three verses in, you'll be out. The devil might try and stop you sleeping, but I think he'd rather that you sleep than read the Bible. So it just works. It just works. It just works. Wake up the next morning, wake up the next morning, and before, 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 before you turn your phone off flight mode. Honestly, if you obey this, you'll change your life. 3% of the people in this room will actually do it. But if before you turn your phone off flight mode, you read your Bible, it'll change your life. Even if it's five verses, it'll change your life. Do you know why this is so powerful? The most repair work done in your body overnight is in your mind. Every morning that you wake up, you have new brain cells waiting, waiting for the onset of your first thoughts when you wake to be molded and shaped into a new person, a new character, a new, a new trend within your mind, new, new pathways that are going to get connected in your thoughts. So if you fill them with the Facebook warriors or with your Instagram comparisons or with, listen, let's be honest, our news sites are not news sites, they're gossip sites with a little bit of news sprinkled in to keep you interested. When you change from that to the Word of God, you're changing yourself from negativity, pessimism, comparison, hate and bitterness towards life and freedom and healing and joy and the uplifting of your spirit. Oh my gosh, it'll change your life. Number four, prayer, 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 prayer. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Chapter Jude, verse 20. The Bible says we should build ourselves up by praying in the Holy Spirit. Pray, 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 pray. Be alert and pray. And number five, fasting, fasting. Fasting is a powerful weapon in our spiritual warfare and it will change our lives. Every year as a church, we have 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I couldn't tell you the difference that this has made in our lives. But listen, for every person out there, I want to encourage you that fasting is powerful no matter who you are. And whenever the devil comes under your, uh, tries to attack our lives, we can't be passive bystanders. We have to actively participate in our victory by fasting, because fasting declares over us that our God is greater than anything. We, we deny our flesh to feed our spirit. We elevate the things of God. We humble ourselves before our God and we bring His victory into every area of our lives. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at johncameronnz.com.